snowy, sleety, rainy. I don't know if I should go down that adjective road any further, but uh, Blackhawks All-Star Week, NHL All-Star Week, and it's Blackhawk Crazy Podcast, the All-Star Edition, with two non-All-Stars with you here. Your Blackhawks pre- and post-game host, Chris Bowden, and your Chelsea blogger, your NHL.com correspondent, Scott King, following the finale before the break, both All-Star and... uh, collective bargaining break for the Blackhawks. A 3-2 shootout victory over the New York Islanders. First and foremost, Scott, did you get your Patrick Kane bobblehead, which I think is probably the 10th or 12th bobblehead of, of Patrick Kane that we've had since he started his career here? I did. I think I have them all in my basement. You know, this one actually, I took a peek. It looks the most like him. I would say they improved every time through the uh, 11 or 12 or so. And also, you before the game, because we talked about the weather, uh, when I told you I was going to go do Sports Talk Live, you looked at me like I was a fool, yes. and it, you know what? I, I made it. It's not great weather. I you know I was nervous going because I almost fell a couple times outside the United Center because I am a fool. But uh, I made it. They they cut me out of the last segment, which coincidentally was with Jamal Mayer's talking Blackhawks. So I talked some some Bulls and some Super Bowl before, but I made it during warmups. Those true areas of expertise. Yeah, yeah, you told me that at five o'clock before Barry Trotz talked, and I'm like, the show starts at six, and you have to travel in this in this weather. And and as we uh, as we wrap up here late. Tuesday night. Uh, who knows what conditions our cars will be in the parking lot when we go out there. But we're going to do a, seg- a quick segment here, Scott and I together, and then we're going to uh, later on throw to some uh, subject matters. Jeremy Carlton talking about Corey Crawford's situation and how it's being discussed, how it's being handled. We'll also hear from Drake Ajula, who is happy as a clam as the uh, third uh, leg on the uh, Taves and Kane line, uh, which has uh, been going great guns as Jeremy Collinton decided to put them together and then also um, finally we'll hear from Patrick Kane on really the the struggles of the veterans on how to handle going through this how to lead these young players through this rough patch that um, they don't want any part of the veterans don't want any part of and they want to turn around maintain a high culture if possible winning mindset and not get buried in what's happened here these last couple of years and we'll also hear from cam ward at the end of this segment but let's start with cam ward in this game on tuesday night um, it's interesting how jeremy's handling some of these young players um, i'll bring up a little bit later on about the defense specifically, but everyone says throw Colin Dealey out there every game you possibly can, but he's been very careful to you know uh, pick his spots with where he uses Delia. I don't know what your opinion of that is or not, but um, I don't think Cam Ward has necessarily done anything not to deserve the net. Dealey, yes, you have to evaluate him for the future. I, I'm not sure if it's necessary to have him in there every game, but uh, what are some of your thoughts on the frequency of Delia? Should he just be thrown in there as much as possible, especially in the event Corey Crawford should somehow make his way back from the concussion later this year, which would put the Delia situation in one where he'd probably have to head back to Rockford? Well, I think you can go back to the controversy around the Winter Classic. Should Delia start? Should he not? And he deserved that argument because I think it was around that time that he started to kind of, at least for the time being, cement his position as the number one goalie. And look, it's great when you get uh, Cam Ward back in Tuesday night and comes up with a, a huge shootout win. That's good to see. But what I think you're going to see, and I think you've been seeing, you're going to see a little more now, is there's going to be uh, some bigger gaps in between when Ward comes back in the net. I, th- I think I think Delia is going to run away with it a little more, and I, I think, kind of like you said, Chris, that Calton's going to continue to be very careful without just giving him every start. 
he's going to need he's going to need a break uh, here and there. And I think Calton said, you know, whether it's a win or a loss, he likes him to have that break to kind of reflect on what's happening. And I talk with some of the guys who have played in the league. You know, some of some of the broadcasters around the Blackhawks, and you know, the opinions vary on whether you know you just throw him in there, whether it's Delia or whether it's Yoki Haru or, or some of the defensemen, uh, other defensemen uh, that you have to evaluate here, um, and, and just expose them to as much as possible. But there's also confidence factors that you have to deal with, you know. And I talked to um, Steve Conroy, uh, who was a defenseman in this league, and I think he said he played his first game when he was 20 or so. And I asked him about his opinion of how it's being handled. He he thinks it's the right way to go, where he's going to get enough games regardless. He doesn't necessarily have to play every game, but um, you know, Jeremy. Being around younger players more recently in his career as a head coach now, and from his more recent playing days, um, this is the tack he's going to use, I think, up and down the roster. And, you know, your old grumpy, crotchety Blackhawk fans will say, well, why isn't he resting Keith and Seabrook if he wants to get some of these younger players in in consecutive games or on a more consistent basis? I'm not sure as a rookie head coach, you know, that may be the right thing to do. Maybe pick your spots a little bit later on once you're firm, more firmly entrenched. But uh, that's the way he's going to go, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I think if things panned out differently and Joel was still here, you wouldn't see that either. I mean, Seabrook was scratched one time last season, I, I, I think. Or was it was it this season? Again, last season. Last season. He was sick one game this season. Yeah, okay, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, but there, it's no matter if you're a rookie coach or, or you're a guy like Q who's racked up the wins in the experience Brent Seabrook is Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith Duncan Keith you're they have that reputation they have that poise on the bench and in the locker room and uh, you're not going to just start scratching them they're not part of this rotation and they're not going to be of the, the younger guys and new guys coming in and out and maybe as we get to the late stages of the season maybe you might see that a couple of times here and there let's go back to Tuesday night's game and I I was really impressed by the fact that well first of all I was a little worried last week with the way they played in New Jersey and New York against the Rangers that this thing was starting to fall off the rails and to a certain extent it was because by the time the Rangers game was over the Blackhawks had won just one of their previous eight games but then this game against Washington especially with the break coming up and then this game against the hottest team in the league in the New York Islanders who had not given up more than 20 shots in their previous three games. Um, I was fearing in the first period that, you know, this might be a mail-in game with the, with the long break coming up, guys going off on vacations with the exception of one. Um, but towards the end of that first period, that final minute, they started pushing a little bit. And then for the, almost the entire of the second period, with the help of a bad Islanders penalty um, and converting on two power play goals, which we can expand on in a moment, but they turned the tables around and, and, and controlled the action on the best goals against team in the league. Third period was a little bit more competitive where we saw some Islanders push back, but I, I, I was really impressed by the fact that you know they could have mailed it in at that point. Um, Islanders up one nothing after one, but they stuck to it, and, and that was big in, in being able to pull two points out of this game. Yeah, they're playing a juggernaut of a team. What was Leonard 11-0-1 in his last 12 starts? Ridiculous, so, yeah. I mean, he's he's been on fire. The team's been on fire. People are already uh, talking about 
Barry Trotz being the uh, the coach of the Millennium <laughs> because of it. Man, uh, look, he, do, we, do we change our Bill Peters votes from a couple? Of weeks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Can we rewind and go back? But I, I mean, you know, you look what he did uh, with the Caps and then coming over the Islanders. He, he's obviously a fabulous coach, and they've been playing out of their minds. They've been such a dominant team that, that it's, uh, it was kind of easy to maybe we switch our, we would have switched our votes before this game about uh, Stanley Cup champs as well too. So no, just just an impressive win from the Hawks who also played very well defensively. Yeah, and they did. And, and you know, actually the two goals the Islanders got were from just mistakes or breakdowns or whatnot. And, you know, uh, Cam Ward is a little bit left out to dry on both of those. So, yeah, this Islanders team... They've given, up, they've given up three goals total during their five-game winning streak, one or fewer goals against 18 times this season. And this was the team with the worst goals against average a year ago. And not a whole lot of turnover on their roster, especially on the blue line. Maybe Calvin DeHaan was the only guy who's gone out. But, man, that is impressive, the job that, that Barry has done. And uh, hats off to him, man. Uh, you know, the fourth winningest coach in NHL history, along with Lou Lamorello. We'll hear from Patrick Kane a little bit later talking about trying to maintain a high culture. But that's a whole new culture that they've had uh, with the Islanders for a team that couldn't get out, of, get out of its own way for 10 or 15 years, or at least since the glory days of the 80s. Finally, before uh, we move along here, uh, let's talk about the power play. Um, I think you were the one who got in Jeremy's ear and told him what to do about a power play when it was down at 11% for the year, right? Yeah, he finally listened to me. He put uh, Eric was what again? He put Gustafson up top. He got Strom in there. Uh, no, and that's, uh, I think him and Strom kind of talked about that. It's, it's the changing of the personnel you're seeing. Dylan Strom's been great by the net. Gustafson's been a good quarterback. Um, I mean, not to, do you dangle him to trade him for a team that needs a quarterback? I don't know. And, and yeah, you know, if some people should want to see him stay in a hawk sweater because he's uh, he's really got a nice offensive touch for a defenseman. Just needs to work on his defensive game, but he is great on that power play. And you're finally seeing maybe something you could have seen more the last few years. Here, just getting all your skill guys on the power play and just letting them go to town. Yeah, and then those passes between Kane and DeBrinket for one timers and whatnot have been just thrilling to see. And, and just a total 180 from what we saw into the month of December. Really, nine straight games of the power play. They go 12 of the last 13, 17 for 41, over 40% over those last 13 games. It's really mind-boggling, but hey... Maybe if you think about it a little bit too much, it's it's, it's too much, <laughs> right? Right. Hour. Just just enjoy, it. just enjoy. It. You know, just uh, sit back and enjoy. It. So, uh, Blackhawks power play is clicking, and uh, hopefully, it shows up again after uh, a nine day break when they when they resume action in Buffalo. Uh, before we let you go and and find out how much how many inches of ice uh, your car is under in the parking lot, um, any final thoughts here and and uh, what you're going to do during the break. And any, uh, any little extra things you're working on? There's no game stories, unfortunately, for you for a while. Uh, no, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you first, I promise I will get back in my treadmill. Uh, it's it's important. I got to get in shape. Don't laugh. Uh, and also, uh, real quick, I, we were talking about Kim Ward. I actually wanted to, to paint a funny picture of something that happened in the locker room. I was asking, uh, I was trying to ask Cam about uh, having to what's the, what's the focus like in an overtime? How do you keep focus when there's so much going on in three and three, especially like Tuesday night and. and uh, he wound up giving me a very good answer, but at first I didn't realize I was asking at the same time of a, of a woman who works for another radio station, and he just gave me the, the two hands up sign. 
<laughs> Stop. It was very subtle. It was not. It was not uh, rude or anything. Cam's a nice guy, and Jason. Uh, Jason Leiser, I think is how you say his name, who uh, covers the Hawks for Sometimes now turns to me and goes, "He's stopping everything tonight." <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, after a nice little. Uh, um, Three cheese mac and cheese and uh, this gloriously cooked broccoli, uh, not broccoli, Brussels sprouts in the second intermission. Um, it's going to be a while before you before you get that second intermission meal, too, pal, after after the glorious breakfast on Sunday. Um, uh, have a good break. Uh, go go uh, chip the ice off your car. I'll follow you in a little bit. But as long as you brought up that Cam Ward interview, let's let's hear that exchange as part of Cam Ward's uh, post game scrum with the media, including our very own Scott King. You know, I think they're one of the hottest teams in the Eastern Conference. So uh, it's a credit to the guys for the way that they uh, uh, battled back uh, despite being down. And uh, um, you know, to come up with a, a shootout win is always always feels good uh, for a goaltender. Very difficult for the goaltender to come out unscathed in a shootout. How did you play those two shots? Um, you know, I guess uh, all that two puck with Patrick Kane uh, in practice has, has started to pay off. But uh, um, just try to hold my ground and be a little bit more aggressive. Um, you know, they got some some skilled guys up, uh, up front and, uh, um, you know, just try to be, uh, you know, calm, composed, and uh, um, try not to make the first move. How big, is it, uh, how big of it is a left entry in the break as opposed to a well, it's huge. I mean, uh, you know, we, we said uh, we, you know, we wanted to win these last two games going into the break, and, uh, you know, now we could use this break as, uh, as a chance to recharge the batteries and, and come back hungry and, uh, and and try to give ourselves a, a big push here uh, uh, to get in the mix again. How much more difficult is it? Sorry. How much is difficult right away? It always helps when your first uh, shooter scores. I mean, it uh, uh, gives you uh, an opportunity to, to make a save. And, uh, um, and then once once Patrick scored, uh, um, in my mind, there was no way we were losing it. So uh, fortunate to make the two saves and uh, um, you know come away with a win. How much more difficult is it to stay focused in an overtime period when things are, plays are all over the place? Guys are staying up right. Well, I mean, it's it's, it's kind of like the shooter. You gotta you know you gotta be calm and composed because you know obviously you know. The players are, are are waiting for their opportunity to, to make a chance, and uh, um, you know they they held the, the puck for the majority of it, but we, we stayed composed and didn't really give them too much. And uh, when we had our look, we you know we we tried to get it. Uh, you know, you know Robert Leonard, I thought had a good game too uh, on the other side, and uh, you know could have gone either way. Kate's combined for ten points last game. They each score in the shootout today. A little yeah. newfound appreciation for them being on this side of. Well, I mean, we always appreciate it. You always knew how how good of a hockey players they were. I mean, it's um, it didn't take me long. Uh, you know, once I, I I came to this team to realize how how good they are and uh, um, to see the chemistry that they're uh, they're showcasing. Uh, um, even you know Stromer and and Debrinket. I mean, it's uh, um, you know it's a real good chemistry. And I thought our power play was has been really clicking as of late and um, you know guys are every guy on the ice is a threat right now. Cam Ward improving to 8-8-4 eight, eight, for the season with that victory on 
Tuesday night against the Islanders before the break. Now, speaking of goaltenders, the man that Ward was originally to be backing up all season long, Corey Crawford, we all know that he has now been out again since mid-December due to yet another concussion. There was an encouraging sign uh, last weekend when he did take the ice prior to the Blackhawks practicing and do individual work along with Ward and Colin Delia and goaltending coach Jimmy Waite. It was about a half-hour session, but then once regular practice was about to start, uh, he went back to the locker room. And then a couple of days later, following the Sunday victory, the Blackhawks returned to practice on Monday, and Crawford was nowhere to be found in terms of being on the ice at all. So people were wondering a couple of days prior whether it was a step in the right direction. You would certainly think so. And then two days later, whether it was a setback by not him not being on the ice. Now, we all know that Jeremy Colleton had his playing career end due to a series of concussions that he could not overcome. And every time, or just about every day, he has asked about Corey's status and whether there's anything new, and he has shied away from providing very much detail, even even less detail than Joel Quenville used to during his time here. And you can kind of understand, based on what Jeremy was going through as his playing career wound down. That's not to insinuate that that's what's going on with Corey Crawford right now. It could certainly be a possibility. But Colleton is kind of drawing a firm line here in terms of the updates that he wants to provide on his injured goaltender. And when he met the media uh, Monday afternoon after Crawford was not seen at practice, he was asked about it. And he tried to emphasize to everyone, fans included, not to draw too much from Crawford being on the ice or not at this stage and his reluctance to provide daily updates. Him going on the ice, I think I said two days ago or whenever that was, not to read too much into it. Don't read too much into it. This is going to be a process here. And um, the day-to-day, it doesn't really matter. It's over time. Is he feeling better? Is he progressing? And so that's why, again, I'm not... Mike, you know, in his ear, how you feeling? How you feeling? Asking Gapper, how's Crow feeling? It's not, A, it doesn't help me, it doesn't help him, and minute to minute, it doesn't matter. It's over time, how's he feel? Is he getting better? And, uh, you know, the question, do you talk to him today? Yeah, I talked to him today, but I didn't ask him how he was feeling, because it doesn't, day to day, it's a non-issue. I just want to be happy, and over time, feel better, and then we'll see if he can play. Um, at the end of that. Jeremy Carlton now 12-18-6 through his first 36 games as an NHL head coach. And in addition to the Crawford situation, he is still being also very firm on what he's doing with defensemen. Sitting Henry Yoki Haru a couple of days, um, or a couple of games here and there. And he did the same thing on Tuesday night with Carl Dahlstrom. And this is all in the name of evaluation with all these young defensemen. Because moving forward, as we've discussed before on this podcast, there are some decisions to make with all this young crop of blue liners that the Blackhawks have in their system on how much value they have in them. So an evaluation process is going on during the course of the season, more so probably since it's gotten away from them a little bit. So Carl Dahlstrom, even though he had been playing well, was told to sit out on Tuesday in order to get consecutive looks at guys like Slater Cuckoo and 
putting Henry Yoki Haru back in the lineup after sitting out a game, doing video work, and watching the game from afar. And he's looking not to wear down these defensemen, but get a truer evaluation on you know, how quickly they can grasp things, how quickly they can develop, and perhaps how much of a part of the Blackhawks' future they are with you know the Boquists and the Mitchells and the Bodans coming down the pipeline as well, and potentially being a factor for this roster next season. Another thing he's not shy to do is to mix and match lines and defensive combinations. When things are going well, he'll stick with them. When they're not, he will try some different things. And one thing he did heading into that Washington game was decide to put Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves back together. And it was an explosive result on Sunday against the Washington Capitals. Those two combining for 10 points, 5 points apiece. And the guy he chose to play with them is the recently acquired Drake Kajula. And even though Kajula didn't get on the score sheet, he certainly served his purpose well. If you're putting two superstars like that together, who is going to go fight for the puck in the corners? Who's going to go chase it down? Who's going to do the dirty work in front of the net? Jonathan Taves has certainly shown that he can do that from time to time, but you mesh that with his skill and Patrick Kane. Um, you have to decide whether, okay, do you want to put one of those nuclear lines together even more so and throw Alex it up there or find a more mucker and a grinder kind of like Drake Kajula. He went with the latter, and the results have been good so far with a pair of victories, even though Kajula hasn't gotten on the score sheet, and the results were varying from the Washington game to the New York Islanders game, although the production in the end was still there, courtesy of the power play and the shootout from 19 and 88. But when we caught up with Kajula on Monday between those two games with uh, Taves and Kane as line mates, uh, the conversation eventually gets around to the fact that he did play some time with Connor McDavid while he was with Edmonton, how it was a little different with McDavid. You'll hear him discuss that. But first, we were asking him his initial reaction to when he found out that he was going to be skating with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Pretty cool experience. You come to the rink and you see your number beside uh, you know, two Blackhawk legends. It's, it's a pretty cool thing. And um, you know, it's a little extra special for me just because uh, you know, I grew up you know, kind of idolizing those two players. And uh, you know, it was a pretty special thing for me to play with them but at the same time you just got to remember that you're, you're playing hockey you're on the same team and you have a job to do and you you know you can't get uh, caught up in that uh, starstruck moment you got to make sure you're doing what uh, you know what you're capable of doing and um, you know that's you know just playing the game the right way and um, try not to get caught up in, in who you're playing with you know I wouldn't say I'm necessarily uh, a driver of the line but uh, you know I can definitely uh, compliment them and uh, you know find ways to you know create open ice for them create space for them uh, create time create uh, you know second opportunities by winning lose puck battles and um, you know they're obviously uh, extremely skilled and extremely smart players and um, you know if, if I have to go out there and, and do some of the dirty work and you know stand in front of the net and, and take a few checks or whatever it's you know I'm, I'm more than happy to do that uh, you know it's, you're playing with some of the greatest players in the world right now and uh, you know you just want to do whatever you can to stay there. Was that kind of a similar attitude you had when you, when you got on the line with Connor out in Edmonton? Yeah uh, a little bit. Um, Connor's uh, plays with a lot of speed and, and his passing ability is, is so high end that uh, you know, for the most part, I would just try and, you know, play a fast game with him, you know, create space for him and win loose pucks for him as well. But, um, you know, he's such a good passer that I just try to put myself in good shooting opportunities. And, um, you know, I, I ended up uh, on that line with him. I ended up being more of a shooter than anything. But, um, you know, the biggest part of my game is, you know, creating creating good force checks, creating second opportunities and, then, you know, trying to have the puck a little bit more on our stick. And um, if we do, you know, turn it over, just find ways to get it back. One other chunk of sound I want you guys to listen to from earlier in the week prior to the break, uh, following Monday's practice was Patrick Kane 
Talking about the challenge it's been for him and the other cup-winning leaders, the so-called core of this team, on how they've been dealing with and handling what's been a second straight disappointing year compared to the level that they have been so used to over the course of the previous decade. And it's not just the four Keith and Seabrook and Taves and Kane. I guess it could also spill into the likes of Corey Crawford when he's been available. Brandon Sod and Marcus Kruger have certainly been here for a couple of cups as well. But mainly it comes down to those four guys. And on the Steve Cochran show on Monday morning when Kane made a, an appearance, he was asked about the challenge that it's been and whether he struggles with being hard on some of the younger players and insisting that the way the season is going is unacceptable or whether to try and be a more positive influence on some of these young players. And he expanded a little bit on that when he was asked about it after uh, Monday's practice. Um, and he refers to Duncan Keith's hit Sunday on Tom Wilson. And he also refers to the importance Brent Seabrook has to this team still, despite perhaps a, a slippage in play over the course of the last couple of years. So here's Patrick Kane on the challenge of the leaders finding the right buttons to push with the rest of the team, particularly the young guys, and how losing is not acceptable. Obviously, we're thinking about making the playoffs. We want to make the playoffs. We want to go on, you know, we're probably going to have to go on a couple, like, 10-game win streaks or something to, to get ourselves there. But even if we don't, I think the biggest thing is to try and not have that losing mentality, you know, creep into this locker room, especially for a lot of these younger guys. You know, the older guys have been there. They've done it. Um, we've been a part of, you know, winning and, and know what it feels like to win. And now we're trying to do best we can to implement that in the team and make the young guys feel that as well so um, I don't know I think Jeremy's done a good job too ever since he's come aboard he's kind of uh, instilled a game plan in, in uh, um, this locker room the way we want to play the way we can be successful and when we do that we are successful so just to keep keep playing that game plan and see what happens no doubt about it I think you know I have the most respect in the world for all those guys you know I think Taser's having a great season I think uh, um you know, people want to get on Sieves about his contract, but he's played to us. He's, he's underpaid what he brings in this locker room and um, the way he's such a great leader, such a big part of this locker room, um, takes in every guy um, just like he's known him his whole life. I mean, he's an unbelievable teammate. And even that game we missed him when he was sick, it's like, um, you know, you kind of lose your heart and soul a little bit of the team because he's he's such a big piece. And we all know what Dunks means back there. He eats up minutes. He's... Um, you know, fittest guy on the team, always ready to play, big competitor. You know, you see him last night with, you know, Wilson there. He's still in the game no matter um, what point of the season or what the standings say. So I have so much respect for those guys, and um, we're all competitors. We all want to win. So, you know, we, it's, it's, it's our job to, um, you know, instill that in these younger guys and know that it's not just okay to be in the NHL every day and just playing a hockey game. You know, it's more important to... Um, take advantage of I hope by hearing from Colleton and Kane, it'll give you some sense of perspective on um, how they are handling situations such as Corey Crawford, uh, the way they want to handle it. And hearing from Patrick Kane, uh, even though he's going to his eighth All-Star game, has been playing lights out with a nine-game point streak heading into the All-Star break, uh, now with 71 points on the year to get back into the scoring race conversation, although it's going to be hard to chase down the Kucherovs of the world. But to gain some perspective, whether you want to believe it or not. Um, I think some of those words, particularly from Patrick, are coming from the heart and how much he cares about the way things have gone over the last couple of seasons and you know how 
quickly and how badly they want to turn things around as quick as possible and trying to keep the culture at a high standard. So I wanted to share uh, in particular those two chunks of sound with you on uh, how Jeremy Carlton's handling things, tried to explain how he wants to handle the defensive situation with some of these young guys, and also about uh, Patrick Kane's burning desire to get back into the playoffs and be back into the conversation as one of the elite teams in the NHL. So it's a long break from here until our next podcast, in part due to the All-Star break. That's the main reason, because then the Blackhawks won't be back in town until Monday uh, before they have a game in Edmonton. They'll have road games on Friday the 1st at Buffalo, Saturday the 2nd at Minnesota, come home for a couple days, including a Monday practice before they then take a ride out to Edmonton for a Tuesday game. So uh, they won't be available to me and the other Chicago media until uh I believe it's February 4th, the Monday before they take on Edmonton. So it might be a little bit while before Scott and I come back at you with another Blackhawks Crazy podcast. So I hope you can enjoy this between now and then. Maybe we'll come back if something drastic happens, but during this break, some player movement restrictions are involved, so I don't think um, that will be necessary. So we want to thank you for listening once again and joining us. We also want to thank Joe Romano for putting this all together. A reminder that we encourage you to follow us on the Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page that's facebook.com backslash Blackhawks crazy. You can follow Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at, at Scott King Media. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets. And once again, we encourage you to subscribe to the Blackhawks Crazy podcast on iTunes. And that way you can also leave a review. And those podcasts will be popped up and ready for you whenever they are made available. Again, enjoy the break. I'll try to as well. And we will talk to you on the other side as the Blackhawks hit the All-Star break with two consecutive victories. And through 51 games, 18-24-9 for 45 points. We'll see if it can be a better final 31 games as they try to build some momentum into the offseason, and who knows what changes will be coming. But there's more work to be done for the here and now. I'm Chris Bowden. Thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you soon.